the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is a Wednesday, hump day, you know, middle of the week day. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday, so it's a good day. Usually it's the day I have, it's hardest for me to get up. Kind of Monday and Tuesday wears me down, and then Wednesday I get up and struggle and then get to work and feel good, and then no problem whatsoever as I move forward through the rest of the day. Expect today to be the same way. Ken Yang supposed to be with us today, but is under the weather, so he will not be here. Of course, the standing rule of the Ellswick show is if you don't feel good, stay home. <laughs> we we don't need you here. And he's running a fever as well, so we want him to stay at home. Uh, he did ask for everybody's prayers because, uh, you know, he had a really bad bout with uh, uh, covid about a year ago, so he doesn't want to have to go through that again. Got a great show for you today at 635. We'll be joined early by Congressman Hill. He'll talk to us. 705, we'll talk to Congressman Westerman. And at 735, Jerry Cox will join us to talk about religious freedom and what's going on on that front here in the state of, of Arkansas. So, Got some good guests for you. Got a lot of information for you. So let me get you caught up on some different things that we've been talking about over the last uh, two, three weeks. We've been talking, I guess it was oh, a couple months ago that we started talking about the state of Maryland and how they were expanding their abortion bill to include children that had been born that had been born and because of that uh, they were looking at at least out a week after birth that no harm no foul so to speak uh, if the child died there would be no investigation about why how or who all that would be off the table and then I, I told you late last week and then spent some time on it uh, Monday talking about California. Well, there's more information on what's going on in California. Assembly Bill 2223 by Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks of Oakland misleadingly labeled the reproductive health 
bill actually legalizes infanticide in an abortion bill to expand the killing of babies uh, past the moment of birth up to weeks. That's plural now. Weeks after, according to opponents of the bill, well, Wick said that while other states are adopting increasingly aggressive measures to limit abortions, California continue, continues to protect reproductive rights. Read that killing. Uh, Wick said the bill only applies to pregnant women who should, quote, not be prosecuted for losing or miscarrying a baby, or for a tragic situation during pregnancy. Section 7A of the bill states, notwithstanding any other law, a person shall not be subject to civil or criminal liability or penalty or otherwise deprived of their rights based on their actions or omissions with respect to their pregnancy or actual potential or alleged pregnancy outcome, including miscarriage, stillbirth, abortion, or perinatal death. From the uh, California Family Council, uh, they say the bill specifically protects a mother from civil and criminal charges for any actions or omissions to her pregnancy, including miscarriage, stillbirth, or abortion, or uh, perinatal death. Now, the definition of perinatal, the definition of that varies, although all include the death of a baby from 22 weeks to seven days post-birth, or more. However, attorney and president of the National Center for Life and Law and Policy, uh, depending, quote, says this, depending on how the term perinatal is interpreted by the courts, this bill legalizes the uh, infanticide of children several weeks after their birth and could possibly be construed as late as their first birthday. Can you imagine 12 months? You decide, I don't want a child, I don't want want it, and for whatever reason, or in whatever way, you kill that child. You can't be held liable for the murder. It's not murder if you kill somebody, I guess, under a, a year old anymore. That's just amazing to me. Absolutely. Um, as as dark as I thought that whole topic was, it's midnight with these people. Absolutely midnight. In other information about uh, anti-life people, uh, we've got uh, what's going out in Colorado. Colorado Governor Jarrett Polick, or Polis, I guess it is, signed a radical new pro-abortion law on Monday that denies all rights and protections to babies prior to birth. The governor, a pro-abortion Democrat, held a signing ceremony for the bill in Denver to affirm, quote, a woman's reproductive rights as the U.S. Supreme Court considers overturning Roe v. Wade. 
quote, no matter what the Supreme Court does in the future, people in Colorado will have a right to choose. Uh, Polis said, he said that the uh, new law declares abortion to be a, quote, fundamental right under state law and denies all rights and legal uh, protections to any, quote, fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus up to birth. It also prohibits cities and municipalities from banning abortions through local ordinances such as Others have done through the Sanctuary City for the Unborn Movement. Uh, Ed Morrissey, a friend of mine, you probably read him on hot air, said the new law goes out of its way to pander to wokery. Its uh, reference to pregnant individuals is both nonsensical and superfluous to a bill legalizing abortion until the final contractions. The words... Woman and female don't appear once in the text of the bill. And the word woman only appears in the citation of Dobbs versus Jackson, Women's Health Organization, the case by which the Supreme Court might overturn Roe v. Wade. For a law that supposedly involves removing oppression from women, females have been oddly erased from this issue in Colorado as have babies for that matter, this law goes way beyond Roe or even Casey in its uh, reaction to the potential reversal that may come in Debs. Uh, It strips rights from babies at all stages of pregnancy, even at viability, where Casey attempted to draw the line. And it's as radical an abortion legalization law could be on the extremes, not just in the U.S., but in the entire world, where only seven nations outstrip or match the U.S. in abortion legalization. And that's not in the Casey context. So um, if you don't think that for the left, and especially for Democrats, that this is not their holy sacrament, abortion you haven't been paying attention got some other stories for you when we come back here on the dave ellswick show bring you up to date on what's going on this kind of stuff got to be fought this this is this is real dark i mean here we are it's first thing in the morning and i'm talking to you something that i mean the sun can't shine when you talk about what we're talking about today A break and then more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me tell you about what to do. If you're looking to save some money on health insurance, I mean, you want health insurance that is reasonably, uh, you know, it has a reasonable cost. And you can do that, but you got to know how to do it. And that's what Pat Davis knows. He knows how to get save you 30 to 50 percent tell you some other things that he can do for you when you sit down and you look at your health insurance and you go wow i'm only paying like i'm paying 400 dollars less for my health insurance this year than i did last year however you read a little further and you find out that your health insurance doesn't kick in until your deductible is met 
and perhaps your deductible is six, eight, ten thousand $10,000. And at that point, you got to ask yourself, why would I want to have full health insurance if I got to pay $10,000 out of my own pocket? Now, Pat can tell you how to have, uh, you know, the, the clinics and the, the hospital and even the doctors in some cases send you a uh, check because you used your health insurance. That's a good deal. That's the way it really should work. The uh, insurance people shouldn't become, you know, fat, dumb, and happy about the, or the middlemen shouldn't become fat, dumb, and happy uh, over all of this. And he, he has deductible busters that you'll want to use, and he'll get you away from having to pay a copay. That's Pat Davis. Call him 501-605-6935, or you can visit him online, read about it as well. If you want to see it printed in front of you, go to yourhealthplanman.com. You know, I read stories at times, and I just shake my head. Uh, You go back four years ago, in fact, further than that, and you'll find that many people have been warning the European Union of leaning too heavily into Russia for their energy needs. Well, big story hit the papers yesterday, the L.A. Times and the Washington Post, saying that the European Union's executive branch proposed a ban on coal imports from Russia in what would be the first EU sanction to target the country's lucrative energy industry other uh, and over its war in Ukraine. Coal. Okay, I didn't say the G word. I didn't say the O word. I just said the C word, coal. So they're they're saying they're going to cut back on that. I'm going to get into that in just a second about what we're looking at as far as money goes. From the Washington Post, quote, this is the first EU move to block Russian energy imports since the invasion. The reason the commission proposed coal and not oil or gas, quote, is likely because it is the easiest to be replaced. That's according to a senior fellow out uh, at a university in Brussels. The EU is already pushing to phase out coal to meet its climate change goals. The EU every day imports from Russia around about a million and a half dollars. Well, take that back, 16 million uh, U.S. dollars of coal. 16 million dollars. They want to cut back on that. They want to get rid of that, not send it to the Russians. However, they also send uh, $436 million for gas to Russia and uh, for the uh, oil, it's 491 and change million dollars of oil. A ban on coal is not going to hit Russia. That's what the Washington Post says. I love using liberal newspapers. Everybody believes the liberal newspapers, I guess. Uh, A Ukrainian government official said 
to avert new uh, Buckhouse. That's the city that people have been randomly murdered and slaughtered. Uh, you have to impose the mother of all sanctions. Stop buying oil, gas, and coal from Russia. Stop financing Putin's war machine, the Russian economy. And its war would stop in a matter of months. And here's what the government official said from the Ukraine. A few months of tightening your belts are worth thousands of saved lives. This could be a not even a non-starter as far as they are concerned. If they would have done this earlier, they wouldn't be talking about this. They would not even be discussing this. Because if they would just go ahead and had made the moves that President Trump had asked, we were ready to supply them with all the natural gas and oil that they needed. But thanks to this president, he has cut back on uh, production by over a million barrels, about a million and a half barrels a day. And uh, it's it's costing, uh, it's going to cost the people of Ukraine, not just in, in uh, you know, support from us, but in deaths of their own people. Because every gallon of gas or oil or every cubic foot of natural gas that the EU buys from the Russians goes right into the coffers for the Russian war machine. And to keep tanks rolling across Ukrainian territory and keeps, uh, you know, uh, Russian troops in the Ukraine on Ukrainian land. That's that's what that's doing. It's exactly what that is doing. I mean, even our own president, because he cut back on, uh, and I said a million barrels. I'm wrong. Ten million barrels is more like the, the the real deal there. The ten million barrels of oil that has been um, stopped from being, you know, pumped. In certain areas. I mean, up in Pudo Bay, the uh, governor of Alaska said all they have to do is let them drill the way they want it to drill, and they could replace 10 million barrels a day without any problem. They could make it happen. But we don't do it because this president is sold out and uh, is beholden to all the Green New Deal people. And you know what the Green New Deal people want? They want they want fossil fuels gone. They want uh, all of that done away with. Now, don't talk to them about building nuclear power plants, which is the cleanest energy that's available out there. If you really wanted to have something happen to clean the atmosphere, nuclear energy is the basic way to go. And it's not like Three Mile Island anymore. That's not the way it's done now. It's done much safer and in a much more regulated way. And you don't have to worry about, you know, another uh, Three Mile Island or a, a Chernobyl here in the United States. Didn't have to worry about a Chernobyl anyway here in the United States with the, the work that we were doing in nuclear power. Uh, but uh, 
that's a non-starter too. It's got to be solar, wind, hydroelectric, something like that. That's how we've got to do it. Uh, you tried to do it any other way? Uh-uh. Can't do it that way. You got to have a windmill or you got to have a solar panel. You got to have a solar panel made in China, in fact, uh, to be able to do that. You got to give the CHICOM some extra money to build up their military. So anyway, bottom line is if they would just pay attention in the EU and if we can get a president and a Congress in that wants to supply energy that we have, we got, you know, we got more natural gas than the Saudis have oil. We could send them natural gas, cleaner natural gas consistently to the uh, European nations without a problem. Here's the news. You know, I'm glad that uh, you've been taking me at my word and contacting uh, Billy Mack, the owner of ICU Protection. And many of you have talked to him about the uh, protection of your home and protection of your business and are using them uh, to uh, protect your home and business. For instance, you know who uses uh, ICU protection? How about Nuclear One? Yeah. They're the ones that are doing all the protection, the security work for them out there. Now, if they're good enough for a uh, nuclear generator, they got to be good enough for your house. I mean, they can handle the door and window sensors, the indoor and outdoor cameras, the doorbell cameras that has been so successful. And so, you know, people want them on their houses for the last year, year and a half. They got motion detectors. They got it all. They even got the analytics that it can... uh, It sees something and it can look at it and determine if it's a person, an animal, or a car, or just a gust of wind with a bunch of leaves in it. They can do that for your home. They can do that for your business. And they got business activity analytics as well. Alarm security monitoring, residential, commercial. It's all done by ICU Protection And you pay for the service. You don't pay for the hardware. Uh, Billy Mac's number, 501-205-1333. And he's a professional. Been around for since the mid-90s. And he can take good care of your home and your business for you. Pay for the service, not for the hardware. 501-205-1333. That's I. CU protection. All right, that brings us up to uh, a little early this morning with uh, Congressman Hill, but he's joined us from Washington, D.C. Congressman, good morning to you, and how are you? Dave, it's good to be with you. Thanks for the invite, as always. And, uh, uh, you know, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Let me start off with something that we're we're seeing a movement kind of within our country and it's a dark 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 movement congressman in maryland they're looking at a piece of legislation for their state that says that even after a child is born up to seven days it can be killed literally can be killed and nobody can be found at fault nobody can be found uh uh, responsible. Just uh, the other day, Monday, 
the state of California signed uh, a, a similar bill or brought it out of out of the uh, state legislature. The governor is now going to have to make sure whether he wants to make this a, a law or whatever. And according to perinatal definitions, it could be up to one year old that that child could be killed. And in Colorado, they've decided that an unborn child has no rights at all. None. Zero. Nada. And that the federal government has some, nothing to say about it. Uh, this is a very somber turn in the uh, the pro-life uh, discussion that's been going on now for the last, really seriously, the last 40 years here in uh, in America. Yeah, it's a sobering topic. And, you know, even on the House floor, we had Nancy Pelosi bring a bill that facilitated uh, killing a child that was born alive as a result of a failed abortion. And Democrats overwhelmingly supported that. And you saw state laws in Virginia and New York that preceded it. This is just a another chapter in this decline in respect of life. And how do we, you know, if we don't respect life in our state legislatures and in our federal legislature, how in the world do we expect these young people killing each other every night on our streets to grow up in a culture that respects life, respects them as individuals? And uh, so it is, you're right to call it out as a tragedy. Every parent uh, strives to support their kids and would sacrifice their own life to protect their kid. And so to see this institutional destruction of respect for life and the nurturing of parents and the love of children, that the state is there to protect the liberties of those kids, born and unborn, uh, it's tragic. I spent 15 years on the board of directors over at Arkansas Children's Hospital uh, and when I look at the extraordinary measures, passion and affection of those doctors and staff to save the life of every single child from the second of delivery in that hospital, uh, this kind of thing is heartbreaking. Well, it, it really to say that this is the one this is the one topic that no one can move me off of. I I believe life is sacred. I will always believe that life is sacred. We're made in the image of God, and it's not for man to decide who lives and who dies as far as that's concerned. And that we're seeing this now being, it used to be talked in the shadows. You know what I'm talking about. You'd see, you know, some ivory tower egghead say something about something like this, but no one took him seriously. Now, they're writing laws up that we all should take seriously. Absolutely. And I can assure you here in the House, uh, speaking at least for the Republicans, we push back against that on a daily basis because it's uh, become just a part of the Democratic rhetoric here that um, they're willing to uh, have a child killed on an, on an operating table after a botched abortion. It's sad. Yes, it is. It's it's terrible. All right, so let's talk a little bit about something else that is absolutely terrible. We've moved into the 42nd day now of Putin invading the Ukraine. People are beginning to see the pictures of children who have been burned beyond 
you know, identification, women lying in the streets dead, hearing stories about how children at, for the age of 10 and up are being raped uh, over in Ukraine. And, and we hear now people talking about, and even our president saying, uh, war criminal about Putin. But here's my question about that. I mean, how... How do you how do you use that against Putin? I mean, uh, you got to go get him, don't you? Or do you do it in abstention? Uh, you can do it in uh, abstention, and you can do it um, very effectively. But it's painstaking, and it requires a lot of work to build a case against an individual for war crimes. Uh, you've seen that in our lifetime. We've seen it. Um, successfully prosecuted in Yugoslavia after the uh, civil war there. Yeah, but Milosevic. The 1990s. Milosevic. It took years. Some of those cases are still going. We got our first conviction against the Assad regime for murdering hundreds of thousands of people in Syria, displacing 10 million, destroying the whole country in Germany in January. And that was due to a collective effort by Europe and the United States to um, collect that evidence, protect it, and document it. And believe it or not, uh, here the United Nations is very helpful. They have something called the Syria Mechanism that's been functioning for 10 years, documenting the war crimes committed by the Assad regime in Syria. Congress has used that. We've brought evidence. We have specific sanctions against Assad and his regime, and we have taken action to protect the photographic and testimony evidence, as has the U.N. And on March 4th, Dave, that's exactly what the U.N. voted to set up an independent inquiry that cannot be vetoed by Russia, cannot be manipulated by Russia, with a budget to document all the crimes uh, against the people of Ukraine. Is the U.N. getting close to saying to Russia stay home we don't even need you here uh well they can't we cannot stop uh, their voice at the un uh in terms of being on the permanent member of the security council but we can isolate them embarrass them humiliate them and coordinate vote after vote after vote, witness after witness after witness, and they cannot muzzle the other hundred and, uh, you know, 90 members of the U.N. They cannot muzzle our ambassador. They cannot muzzle President Zelensky. So the more they say nonsense and BS, uh, the more we're able to counter it and give the world the truth. And we've gotten two votes in the U.N. to condemn them uh, and 140 votes out of 190. And I think they will be successful. The United States will be successful in having them removed from the Human Rights Council, which, of course, is the ultimate hypocrisy that they're even on it. Yeah. And so that kind of pressure will continue to happen every every week. Uh, and I, I view it as while the U.N. is the U.N., it's got the Russia as a perpetrator, as a permanent member that can veto uh, action against them, military action by the U.N., uh, we can fight every single day to humiliate them and get the world completely united against them. All right, Congressman, we got to get a break in. When we come back, uh, they're saying you think it's bad on the southern border right now? Wait to the end of this month when Title 42 goes away, and then it's really going to get bad. We're going to talk about that. And then uh, let's talk about the president says we want to use Canadian oil. But, hey, 
You can't bring it in by a pipeline. So how do we bring it in? You know, by the teaspoon? I mean, we can we can talk about that as well. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We're talking with Congressman French Hill. We'll continue our discussion with him in just a moment. All right, we're get, we're going to finish up our conversation this morning with uh, Congressman French Hill, District Two. Congressman Title uh, Forty Two is set to expire now at the end of uh, this month. Uh, of course, that was put into effect by President Trump. It's done a good job of keeping people that are carrying communicable diseases into this country and spreading them amongst our healthy population. But it looks like we're going to get rid of it now because they say we've got COVID under control. Well, tell that to the Democrats who think that everybody should still wear a mask, although they're getting close to the midterm elections and getting rid of a lot of those laws. With that said, you know, what can we expect if they do succeed in getting rid of uh, Title 42? Well, in my view, it's going to be a disaster. In fact, we're going to the floor today in the House to uh, attempt to block uh, Joe Biden from ending Title 42. And let me just give you the numbers. You know we're being overwhelmed. Oh, of course. We talk about it every week. Uh, We've had a 350% increase in the migrant encounters. We were, I think, last month at 165,000 people. You can annualize that. It's just gone up overwhelmingly. Here's the bottom line about Title 42. About half of those migrants that are over 18 years old were turned back because of Title 42. So... Oh, my gosh. When Title 42 is ended, that means uh, that other 50 percent is going to come into the country, await a court date, depending on what the circumstances are. And we will probably have, uh, you know, three million people uh, enter the country essentially illegally uh, that are these are the people that we, of course, encounter, quote unquote, that right. we catch, quote unquote. This doesn't reflect the tens of thousands of people that are, quote, getaways and come into the country that we have no idea about. And we've already, we talk about every week the cocaine seizures, the meth, heroin, fentanyl, uh, the number of criminal convictions, the gang members that we catch, you know. So we have never recorded in 12 straight months more than 150,000 encounters by the Border Patrol, and that's what we're having here it's an avalanche it's a disaster now and if we do away with title 42 it'll make it worse (laughs) and title 42 is not about covid uh it's about it's public health period and when you overwhelm the border like this you've got all kinds of public health uh, concerns and disease so i would encourage the administration to look at this big picture and not tie it strictly to covid yeah, I, I have the funny feeling they're not going to pay any attention to you, Congressman. They haven't so no, far, have it. they? We're going to. They, <laughs> they, everything they've done, they've done wrong. And you've got now the state of Texas spending a billion dollars a year of state taxpayer money to do their job, try to build a wall, try to guard that border across the whole length of Texas because the federal government's abdicating their responsibility. Mayorkas uh, was on the Hill yesterday. I couldn't go to the meeting. I had a conflict, but... Uh, my colleagues are very close uh, in the Homeland Security Judiciary Committee arena discussing uh, pressing Biden to fire him or remove him from office for his incompetence. Do you think there's a chance of that? 
I think it's uh, where we are after this uh, one year and a quarter of disastrous mismanagement. I mean, a disastrous. We had a situation that was contained, is the way I would describe the way Donald Trump uh, left the border when he left office. More wall being built, more agents on the guard, uh, more judges in their seats, uh, his policies keeping people out of the country and, and adjudicating their cases in Mexico, the Remain in Mexico policy. And then they could come in the country for their court date. A lot of strategies that he put in place, and those were all abandoned by Biden. And the person leading that charge is this is the Secretary of Homeland Security. It's his responsibility. You know, I wake you're up. You're not going to get any help from Kamala. She's not going to do anything about it. <laughs> I wake up in the morning and and look around and and I just uh, look at what this administration is doing and I said, man, I could sure do with a really kind of nasty tweet this morning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I hear you, and uh, but this is if if. Uh, if we weren't focused on uh, Putin's mass murder on the nightly news right now, and it's an utter disaster, we just talked about it, we would be talking about only two things, uh, the open border and the chaos being created in crime in our streets, drugs, public health challenges, and inflation. Uh, we'd be talking about those two domestic priorities that I hear about every time I go to any meeting around my district. Well, let's talk lastly about Canada. Uh, The president says he wants to get more Canadian oil into the United States, but Canada can't bring it in uh, by pipeline. Now, one of the biggest misnomers, one of the biggest BS stories that comes out of that White House is that, well, you know, we if even if we had the pipeline, it's not bringing gas into the country. No, we understand that it's bringing oil into the country but it's going to refineries on the gulf coast and they're making it into into uh into gasoline right uh, they're, they're definitely treating the american people like they're stupid when they when they say that t- type of stuff so what's the president saying about getting the oil from canada are we supposed to truck it in well it's uh, it crosses the border uh from canada into the dakotas essentially by the old Keystone pipeline, not right. the Keystone that he failed, and then it's put on railroads and it's brought to Houston, uh, Oklahoma, the East Coast, the East Coast refineries on a railroad, uh, which is fine, but it's not safe. That's the whole point of building the Keystone XL pipeline from North Dakota all the way to the Gulf Coast was to do two things: lower the carbon footprint, make it safer. Uh, make it more environmentally sensitive, remove the danger of uh, Burlington Northern barreling down the railroad with 60 miles an hour full of oil. And so that was the whole intent, Uh, economy, uh, sustainability, and safety. And the Biden administration has single-handedly destroyed that concept. So it's going to be more expensive. And it's more dangerous as we, you know, add to the rails more oil from from Canada. But that's how it's going to be transported. Wow. Well, I don't uh, envy you. I would hate to get up every morning as the minority party in Washington, D.C. and try <laughs> to stop these idiots that are up there in Congress. But I, I believe, like Larry Kudrow does, the, the Calvary is coming. And it's coming in November 
I just hope by the time you guys get here, the fort's not totally burned to the ground. Thanks so much, Congressman. Appreciate your time. Talk to you later. Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up next hour, got a couple of great guests for you. We got Congressman Westerman. He'll join us and we'll talk to him about uh, some of the same subjects I just talked to Congressman Hill about. And then Jerry Cox from Family Council will join us and we'll talk about religious freedom. That's all coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. continue on we should hear from congressman westerman uh in just a moment and uh, that way we can find out what he feels about uh, a lot of these issues that are going on did you see obama was up at the uh, white house uh talking uh with the press and 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 with the president and uh it was kind of strange because I I noticed that watching it that uh, Biden was like walking around like he didn't have anybody to talk to. You know, everybody wanted to talk to uh, President, former President Obama, and in fact, in fact, <laughs> did, you, did you hear when the president got up to the podium uh, yesterday, Heidi? He says, "I want to thank the vice president," and he was talking to Biden. <laughs> <laughs> he started laughing because that's what he's used to calling Biden in official capacity. So it was pretty interesting yesterday. But look, even the president has trouble figuring out that he's president. He's he's called Harris president a couple of times. All right, let's get joined by uh, Congressman Westerman. He's walking into work right now, so if he's in, he sounds out of out of air, that's because he's walking right now, trying to hustle over make it for the uh, early morning meetings that he's got to go to. Uh, Congressman, thanks for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me start off with the last thing I was talking about with Congressman Hill. We have the President of the United States saying, hey, we need more oil, and let's get it from Canada. But you can't use any pipelines to bring it into the country. So the way it's been happening, evidently, according to congressman hill is they're using the existing pipeline to bring the oil across the border down into the dakotas 
Then they load it on trains, and they bring the oil down across the United States to the Gulf uh, states to uh, make it into gasoline. Is is that right? Yep, to some extent they uh, they do that. I mean, when you look at the volume of oil you can move in a pipeline versus the volume of oil you can move in trucks or rail cars and the the efficiency of doing that, uh, it makes a lot more sense to, to put it in a in a pipeline. But my understanding is that uh, Canada is actually building a pipeline out to the west coast so they can uh, export the oil to, to maybe Russia. Oh, really? Not Russia, but China. Not, not Russia, China. Okay. Well, you might as well send it to Russia because China's going to give it to them if they need it. That, you know. The... Yeah. Well, maybe we could send it to Russia and buy it from them. <laughs> that would that would be Biden logic, I guess. Yeah, that would be Biden logic. You're you're exactly right. So we've got that going on. Uh, you've got Title Forty Two's going away. We're really going to open up the floodgates along the southern border. It's going to if we think it has been bad. Before now, it's going to get really bad, according to uh, Congressman Hill. Uh, people are looking at uh, Mayorkas, and uh, maybe they're going to try to put some pressure on the president to get rid of this guy. What do you think the chances are of that? Well, I think Mayorkas is just taking his orders from from Jen Psaki or uh, whoever's pulling the strings over at the White House. Biden may be aware of what's what's happening, but he's just he's following orders. And uh, you can take him out and put somebody else in that's going to do the, the same thing, but he's he's doing a terrible job. And that's just based on the evaluation of, you know, look at how many uh, illegals came into the country. Um, who knows what they're doing with them? The Democrats in Congress won't do any kind of oversight on that. I've talked to you before about being down there and the the flight on the way out loaded up with uh, uh, migrants with uh, manila envelopes that say, I can't speak English, please help me find my gate, and it's got the gate numbers written on it. I've got I've got photographic evidence of that, and uh, they, they won't tell us where these people are going, uh, how many of them are staying, how many are going back. Um, I wasn't on this Codell, but... When I was there, the Border Patrol took me by a, uh, a Homeland Security or DHS processing facility that actually turned members of Congress away from going into it. They didn't want them to go in there and see what was happening. Really? And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, I think what Congress has to do is when we do a budget, when the Republicans are in charge, is make draconian cuts to these uh, agencies and, 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 like, snap them back into attention to let them know uh, you don't um, – the, the American people don't work for you. You work for the American people. Uh, the last thing you do is deny members of Congress from coming in and doing oversight of some rogue operation that you're running with taxpayer dollars um, that's being, you know – covered up by the media and not uh, talked about by the, the administration. Uh, you know, stuff like that just in, infuriates me. That's what, um, that's what countries like Russia do when, the, when there's no transparency and they, don't, uh, uh, they, they think they know best and they'll just keep the information away from people. Well, uh, but, you know, we had a hearing yesterday on the uh, 
Uh, and the Democrats called this. They called it on the uh, the effects of, um, of the drug crisis on tribes. This was in my Natural Resources Committee hearing, and what they were they were trying to, uh, you know, grill pharma over this and the big pharmaceutical companies. Which there's some uh, there's some problems there with what's happened with all the uh, the opioid addictions. But it gave us an opportunity to bring in a guy from the the Border Patrol Union and talk about all the fentanyl that's coming across the border. But when you just look at the numbers of the the people and the the amount of drugs that are being seized, and we've got a major, major crisis on the border that hardly gets talked about because we've got major crises everywhere we look with this administration and Democrats in Congress. Yeah, you just look around and you'll find a fire for this administration. There's no doubt about that. Let me go back to that pipeline uh, question. Uh, is that something in your committee that you look at? I mean, how safe are pipelines? How, how safe are they for you know, transporting oil uh, across it's them. It's the, the safest, most efficient, by far, means of transporting uh, liquids and gas. It's not even not even close. When you look at the uh, uh, the number of spills and the uh, the amount of energy that it takes to move oil and gas in a pipeline versus other means. You know, we had a bunch of, uh, they were actually union welders that lived down around the Texarkana area in southwest Arkansas. They got their pink slip on uh, January 20th, 2021, when Joe Biden was sworn in. And on day one, he, he canceled the pipeline. They right. all got uh, got their walking orders that day. So I've, I've had a chance to visit with these guys. And I found out stuff about uh, Keystone XL that, you don't hear talked about in the media. All of the pumping stations and compressing stations and everything on that line, the power was being done by uh, renewables. So they were actually using all renewable energy to get the uh, petroleum from Canada to the to the Gulf Coast. And you know the Biden administration talks about all the green jobs. Well, you, you actually had real people doing real work out building these systems. Uh, and, you know, there was going to be zero carbon emissions on the transportation of this oil. Think about uh, when you put oil on a ship and carry it across the ocean or you put it on a truck or on a train and you carry it from Canada to the Gulf. Think about how much energy you're burning. Mm-hmm. And if you're concerned about carbon, think about how much carbon you're releasing uh, in the transportation of that uh, uh, that product, whereas the pipeline was going to be, uh, all renewable energy, uh, moving all of that product from Canada to the Gulf. Amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah, you're privy to a lot of information a lot of us aren't privy to uh, because the, the media doesn't report all the information, only the information they think is important to the American people. Unless you can sit in front of C-SPAN for hours a day, it's hard to they keep up with everything that's going on. That's why it's so important that you take out time during your week to tell us things like this here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, and we appreciate you doing that for us, Congressman. As far as that's concerned, I appreciate concerned. the opportunity. I, you know, I go to uh, I go to events and talk to people and bring this up, and they're like, "You got to get the word out on this." And I said, "I, I do." I said, "But 
I don't control um, the the mainstream media, and they don't want to talk about a lot of it. You know, you need to tune in to Dave Ellswick and other places that actually want to hear the real story of what's uh, what's going on, and don't want to put some kind of political spin on it. Yeah, absolutely. I just want I, I want you to share with us what you're hearing in committee. I mean, you you hear a lot of things. And they're not reported. That's that's uh, just well known now. Let's talk a little bit. I got to get a break in. Let's talk real quick uh, when we come back about uh, this whole thing about uh, Obamacare. Somehow they're expanding it. I'd like you to talk about that. Obama was at the White House yesterday, you know, doing another victory lap uh, and trying to help out the Biden administration with their poor polling numbers. So let's talk about that when we continue. Our guest is uh, Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman uh, from uh, District 4. He's going to talk with us some more when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about David Lucas. David Lucas wants you to know buying silver and gold is different than buying stocks and bonds. And he'll help, you know, uh, educate you about how to go about that. Uh, Don't let 1970-style inflation destroy your retirement. Learn how silver and gold could help you protect your assets at IRA, the 401k, the savings that you have by calling 501-222-3315. The folks at uh, David Lucas Financial work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country so you get direct prices from a dealer you can trust. So to learn more about this, uh, give them a call. Learn about buying silver and gold. Learn the differences. Learn the similarities. Call 501-222-3315. Again, that number is 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. All right. Back in talking uh, during this time with uh, our congressman from District 4, and that is uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. And, and Congressman, I heard there's been some changes now, or going to be some changes in Obamacare. Can you explain what those are? Uh, I know they're talking about some changes, Dave, but I've, I haven't seen any legislation coming out. It may be some administrative stuff that the administration thinks they've got. Uh, flexibility to do, but I'm with you. I think Obama went to the White House yesterday to uh, try to bolster uh, Biden's poll numbers, but it it looks like the press forgot who was actually uh, president now, and uh, Biden looked more like his role in vice, as vice president. Hmm. Yeah, well, he called the president and vice president. I thought that was pretty funny. That was that was just a slip of the tongue. I know that he's used to calling him Mr. Vice President, but that's just that's it. Just didn't it didn't work for for Biden in that uh, in that in that place. And it looked like the president was kind of just walking around like nobody even wanted to talk to him. I mean, he was he was a lonely individual on that stage. Everybody was crowded around President Obama. Yep. Uh, and, you know, health care is one of those areas that is still the number one driver of the federal debt. Uh, when you look at uh, the cost of, of Medicare and Medicaid and the trajectory those programs are on, uh, and then just look at the cost to, uh, uh, you know, the average American on what 
on the health care. And uh, morning, and, and that's uh, something we definitely need to work on. So I wrote a, a bill called the Fair Care Act that uh, it's slowly gaining gaining uh, steam. We keep getting more and more co-sponsors on it every year. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's looking at health care, trying to come up with with solutions, and it's really a, a bipartisan uh, approach to health care. And the way I started building the legislation was working backwards and saying we had to have a policy that covered pre-existing conditions, that lowered costs and covered more people because if it if it doesn't cover more people, the the Democrats aren't going to support it. If it doesn't lower costs, the Republicans aren't going to support it. If it doesn't cover pre-existing conditions, now probably nobody's going to support it. And we're going to have to have something that can get 60 votes in the Senate. Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to be difficult at best. But let's talk a little bit about November. I mean. We're a lot closer now than we were at the beginning of this man's uh, uh, term uh, as president of the United States. And now the off-year election is coming up. Uh, The uh, Democrats have gotten rid of uh, or have seen 31 of their members decide that they're not going to run again. Several of the people that were never Trumpers that are on the Republican side have decided not to run again. You guys take over the House. I, I think that's basically a foregone conclusion. They keep saying that they're not sure about the Senate. I, I'm i pretty sure that we're going to take the Senate, too. Does everything just come to a screeching halt because the president can veto thing uh, th- stuff? Do we have a possibility of getting a supermajority where we can override a presidential veto? Well, you know, to override a veto and... Uh, in Congress, it takes two thirds. So you're talking about 67 Senate votes, and uh, I think it's 280 some odd House votes. So, uh, yeah, it, it would be unreal if we were able to get those kinds of, of uh, majorities in the House and the Senate. I, I think that would way exceed anybody's expectations. Uh, and you know, I'm trying to be realistic with people as I. Uh, talk to people back home, talk to people around the country about what a Republican majority would look like. And, you know, I think the realistic expectation is that the crazy stuff stops. You're not debating bills in committee and passing bills off the floor that are, uh, they don't even sound like they should be in this country. They're so, so far out. Uh, But the other big thing is the oversight function of Congress. And, you know, I was talking about that DHS facility earlier. Uh, that's where we can have the biggest impact on the administration because as, if, you know, if we win and, and I become the chairman of the resources committee, I automatically get subpoena power. Right now we request information, we write letters, and they go unanswered, and we get ignored. But we'll be sending those letters with a subpoena next time, and we'll be dragging administration officials into committee hearings to question them about these uh, these activities that they're doing. And every committee in Congress has an oversight function. Plus, we've got a whole committee called uh, oversight. So there will be a lot of oversight hearings uh, in the next Congress. 
if Republicans have a majority in the House and same thing in the Senate. And also when it comes to writing budget bills and funding the government, um, the majority party has a much stronger position in determining what goes into that legislation. So we we should have a lot more power over the purse, the ability to uh, conduct oversight hearings, and definitely the ability to stop uh, the crazy stuff that you hear about now. All right. Well, we're out of time. Let's talk a little bit about midterms again next time that you're on here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We appreciate your time, Congressman. Now get to work. All right. Thank All right. You, Dave. We'll talk to you Have later. Congressman Bruce Westerman, District 4, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up after the news, well, we got uh, Bill O'Reilly coming up in just a moment. We're going to talk about religious freedom. There's some movement afoot to make it uh, – you know, a tougher push uh, to try to keep religious freedom from being a reality here in the state of Arkansas. We've had some battles over that, more battles to come. Hey, if you got a leak in your roof, you're seeing, uh, you know, some results of that, discoloration on your ceiling, maybe some water at the baseboard or some streaks of discoloration on the walls, then uh, you need to get that fixed. And the people who can fix it for you and uh, will do a very good and professional job is pi roofing i use pi roofing for anything uh dealing with my roof in fact no other roofing company has walked on my roof other than pi roofing because i trust them so much they do a job and they do it well they put two roofs on my house and they've done a you know just a fantastic job so if you're looking up and you're seeing uh some different things missing off the top of your, your roof. You, you're seeing the gravel is off of certain shingles up there. There's kind of a shiny look there. That means that uh, you're not getting the protection you need. You need to call PI Roofing. 501-707-3551 is their number. You use that number. They will make sure they get somebody out, out to help you. They'll help you not only determine if you got problems, is it a whole roof you need? Is it just an area that you need fixed? Whatever. They'll tell you, and they'll work with your insurance company, the appraiser, and make sure that you get a great deal and that you don't have to spend any more money than is necessary. That's PI Roofing. Again, 501-707-3551 or on the Internet, piroofing.com. You know, over the last uh, few years, we've uh, – had a RIFRA bill here in the state, RIFRA being a religious liberty bill, uh, and uh, Bob Ballinger had a really, really tough one that was ready to go, and uh, it got short-circuited, uh, I believe, from the from the governor's office. In just a moment, Jerry Cox is going <laughs> to join with us. He, he may disagree with what I'm saying here, and if he does, he can explain where he stands, but... The bottom line is it should have been done. I believe that Walmart plays a, a part in those type of things, just like Disney plays uh, different things over in Florida. And uh, they want to tighten that RIFRA bill up here in the state. Let's talk about that with Jerry Cox. He's with us from the Family Council. And Jerry, was that, was that a, an adequate explanation about what happened a few years back? Uh, well, Dave, thanks for having me on the show. And, yes, uh, I believe you summed it up. There's a lot more that could be said about all that. 
but you know that's water under the bridge and um, the law could have been better um, we do have a religious freedom restoration act commonly called a rifra like you said but it's not in the constitution it's in state law okay so it could be and changed not, yeah and it and it's not as strong as i wish it was uh, we were working real hard with um Bob Ballinger and other lawmakers to try to get the really strong bill passed, and it just didn't happen. And so now we're making another um, attempt at strengthening religious freedom, but this time it's through the Arkansas Constitution, which is obviously a higher level than just the state law. And so during the legislative session last year, the Arkansas General Assembly crafted a religious freedom amendment to the Constitution, and it has now been referred out for a vote this November. And so it'll be on your ballot statewide, and it's the religious freedom amendment. It's a good law, and it's your opportunity as a voter to really enshrine religious liberty into our state Constitution in much the same way that it's enshrined into our federal constitution through the Bill of Rights. Okay, well, let's talk about this, all right? What's, wh- what does this tighten up that you don't believe that the law did uh, a few years back? What makes this piece of legislation, other than it makes it part of the Constitution, different, and how does it help us protect our religious liberty? Well, uh, for one thing, the RIFRA the law that was passed back in 2015. Now, this gets into a little technical stuff, but it says that the government um, cannot um, substantially burden your free exercise of religion. And in this amendment, it just says they can't burden your free exercise of religion. And so that's a higher level of protection than what the law offers. And so that's one just very subtle difference there in the wording. But if you're a lawyer and you spend time in court arguing religious liberty issues, then you know there's a difference between the government being able to uh, burden or substantially burden. Uh, and so this really gives us a little more protection than the RIFRA, which is what we would have preferred with the law that got passed. But as we said before, that never worked out that way. Dave, the other thing it does is it doesn't mean that the government won't come in and try to jerk you around. I mean, we know that can happen. But what it does is it gives regular folks like you and me something to fight back with. Right. Because before we had the RIFRA and before this amendment, all we had to fight back with was the U.S. Constitution, which ought to be enough. But, you know, the courts start interpreting, you know, religious freedom in wacky ways. And so we said, okay, we need some more tools in the toolbox here. So we got the religious freedom law passed in 2015. Good. That's another tool. Now we're trying to do this. That gives you another tool to fight back with. And, in fact, in this amendment, it says that you can file legal action if you, your religious freedom has been violated by the government and you can collect damages. And so it puts some uh, teeth into it uh, where it's not just a statement about religious freedom, but it actually says, and if you your freedoms have been violated, you can sue the government and collect damages. 
Oh, yeah, that's a big difference, and it's exactly yeah. what you said. You got teeth in it, and you got to have teeth in bills, or you might as well not have a bill. Well, that's true, and uh, people say, you know, I had an attorney with the ACLU ask me one day that we were out at the Capitol, and I visit with the ACLU from time to time out there, and uh, kind of enjoy it actually. And she <laughs> said, Jerry, why do you say why do you say you need more religious freedom? There's a church on every corner. Why do you say you need more? Well, we know that there are attacks coming not directly against the church, but it's against people, guys like you and me, that maybe if we own a business and you know we don't want to participate in certain kinds of activities because of our faith, um, the, the ACLU would say, well, you ought to be forced to do that by the government. Or if you and I were Healthcare providers, they would say, well, yeah, you ought to be forced to participate in an abortion. Even if you think it's wrong, you ought to be mm-hmm. forced to do that. Um, and so you have these, uh, or if you and I were running an adoption agency and we're people of faith, we might say, hey, we're going we're gonna to adopt out to everybody. So we're not going to do same-sex couples because it violates our beliefs because we're Catholic or we're Protestant or whatever. They think that you ought to be forced by the government to do that. And we say, no, you shouldn't be forced. Before we go to the break, let me ask this question. How would that have played out here just recently where people were asking for religious exemptions from getting inoculated? Would you have been able to fall back on that and used it as a defense? You sure could have used it. Now, I can't tell you how a court would have interpreted it because – Here's the little nuance in it. You've got private employers who are not the government that are saying, to work over here at my shop, you've got to have a shot. Um, now, I think Biden's mandate against employers, you know, where it said if you've got a certain number of employees, everybody's got to be vaccinated, I think definitely you could have could fight back against that because that's the government doing this to you. Now, there is an argument to be made that even if it's a private infringement on your uh, religious freedom, that you still got to go to the government courts to um, to be sued or whatever it is. And because the courts are run by the government, then it could apply. There's, there's an interpretation there of that, but I think I'll drop back and say, hmm, that depends. Okay. All right. Makes sense. All right, so this will be on the ballot come November. Yes, sir. That's fantastic. That's very good. Yeah, and Alabama's had this in their constitution since 1999, and it's worked great down there. There have been no goofball lawsuits or, you know, people out here doing strange, crazy stuff and calling it a religion. They've had no problems with that in, in the over 20 years that it's been in place there. So we felt like it had a good track record down in Alabama, and we said, hey, you know what? I think it'll work here in Arkansas. And so people need to remember, vote for the Religious Freedom Amendment. It'll be assigned a ballot issue number probably sometime this summer. Don't know what the number will be, but if you see religious freedom on the on the ballot, I'd say vote for it. All right, you just let me know, and I'll make sure sure that the information gets out i want to hold on to you for one more segment do you got time all right let's come back and talk because it sounds like to me that the field of discussion about abortion is changing in this country 
and it's a darker, darker discussion now that it looks like people want to have. We'll we'll uh, we'll get into that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, don't forget about East End Towing. They will help you out on the side of the road. They'll help you out if you happen to be at your house and the battery went bad. They come out. They'll change that for you. Get uh, you know, get your new battery, charge your fort, whatever that you need. But get your car running. They did it for Simone, who does, who's on the uh, female power panel. Her car went dead when she was uh, here on the air, and they showed up and took good care of her right here at uh, the West Tower. They're really, really good about coming to where you're at, where you need uh, your help. Also, want to remind you that they want to remind you about safety out on the highway. If you see those yellow flashing lights and that tow truck is on the side of the road, get in the opposite lane and give the people that are working uh, out there on the on the you know the the side of the road uh, helping people with their cars or whatever the room they need to do their job without having to worry about you hitting them. And it's just uh, some things that they are asking out of East End Towing. You need their help. 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849. East End Towing. All right, back with you. A uh, little more time left with Jerry Cox uh, from the Family Council here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And Jerry, a very ugly thing has begun raising its head and being talked out about out in the open now it's been in the shadows for quite some time i mean governor lamb back in i don't know the late 80s early 90s in colorado was talking about euthanasia and in you know people that were elderly should be willing just to die or whatever they've they've moved into this whole thing now with abortion you know and i know the left one of their holy sacraments is abortion it's something that they believe in beyond belief, what they believe in. In Maryland, they uh, have just got a piece of legislation that hasn't been voted on yet, but it's there. It's going to be in front of their house here shortly that says that if a, a mother, uh, whatever that is now in our society, uh, somehow brings about the death of her just a newly born child, uh, within a week, uh, no kind of charges can be pressed against her. Nobody. There's not, to, there's not to be any investigation or anything. Now California came out on Monday, and they have Assembly Bill 2223 that's come out. That's just labeled reproductive health and uh, basically says the same thing, except perinatal, according to them, can be interpreted by the courts and legalizes infanticide because that's what we're infanticide. That's what we're talking about of children, not only several weeks after their birth, but possibly as late as their first birthday. And then, last but not least, in Colorado, the governor there has said that they don't want to have any protection for an unborn child at all. You can have a an abortion, and it doesn't matter. For what reason? I mean, this is changing the whole field of discussion completely, is it not? Well, it is. And, uh, Dave, here's what my counterparts in uh, California and Washington State, Massachusetts, Maryland, they all look at those of us that live in the middle of the country 
Um, and they say, don't you think it can't happen where you live? We are maybe probably a preview of the kind of debate that will be going on in Arkansas and Missouri and Louisiana in the future. Right. And so it, 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 in a way, they look at <laughs> they look at people like me and they, they say, I come to you from your I'm from your future. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is what Arkansas will be facing down the road. And if we know that we need to prepare for it, we need to pass good laws that will put as many bricks in that wall as we can possibly put so that the, when the bad guys come, we'll have really strong laws to repel them. And hopefully people will sow the culture of life into the hearts and minds of their children. We need to be talking to our kids about this and say, abortion is wrong. Infanticide is horrible. Euthanasia. No, we don't do that. You know, we respect human life. And if you think your kids are just going to pick that up just by walking around, you're wrong. You need to have that conversation with your kids your grandkids, uh, your neighbors. And we need to keep sowing the culture of life into Arkansas so that right now Arkansas is the most pro-life state in the nation. Dave, don't you want to keep it that way? Well, yeah, absolutely. Me too. I mean, you and I and a whole lot of other people have been fighting about this for years. Yes, and it's been a 30-something year fight for me. I've been in this movement that long. And, boy, I don't want to see us just give it away some someday because we got complacent. And so it behooves us to keep talking about these issues, as you are, which is a good thing. Yeah, we're four minutes away from uh, getting out of the show today. But I have to be honest with you. Ne- never in my imaginings did I think we'd be having the discussion out loud I mean, I always knew there were crazy people that believed that killing a baby was no no problem for them and that you shouldn't be able to be found guilty for doing anything wrong. But I never thought they'd actually put it in legislation and get it out for a vote. I never even for a moment, a scintilla of time, thought that that would happen. And here we are uh, now getting ready to fight about it in the, cha- in, in, in the chambers of state legislatures. Well, and Dave... You know, the recent events over in Ukraine have told us, you know, all the bad that we have thought about, we maybe we've seen down through history, evil is still among us, and it can rear its head anywhere, anytime, anyplace. We are not more advanced as humans and less capable of violence than our ancestors were. And so Christians have been fighting the killing of children, It's as old as the Bible. You know, you go back to the Bible, and people were trying to kill. They were killing children and sacrificing them. And so that's what we do. That's what Christians do. We fight the killing of children, and we fight the massacre of the helpless. And um, it's part of who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. And so we have to stand up. Yeah. We have to keep standing up, just like people have done for a couple of thousand years. You've got to remember, it's something that God himself has said he abhors. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, he abhors it. That's pretty strong language, to be honest. Well, and the government's supposed to be there to protect our God-given right to life. And shame on us if we 
allow the government <clears throat> to go to the other side of that equation and start condoning the taking of innocent human life, then we have crossed a really serious line. And so I hope these states will come back. But you know what? Even if they don't, I want to stand strong where we live and say, not here, not in Arkansas. You will not do this to our people. Absolutely. Jerry Cox, you know, Cox, we stand at the at our own Rubicon now and more th- uh, yep. and more than ever we need to uh you know support uh the family council. We appreciate all of your hard work and uh what you do at the state legislature and we look forward to having you back on our show here in the near future. Well, thank you, Dave. It's my pleasure always to be on the radio with you. All right. Thank you much, Jerry. We appreciate you. Don't forget that, uh, you know, Jerry Cox, and don't forget about that uh, piece of legislation is going to be on the ballot uh, for uh, religious freedom. You'll want to vote for that. I'll get a number what ballot measure it's going to be and make sure I get that information out to you uh, when it becomes available. It should be in the next few months so that you know what to look for when you go to your polling place to vote. I'm Dave Ellswick. We'll be back with you again tomorrow, 6 a.m. I may have a former U.S. ambassador on with us. We're talking to the necessary people to get them on, and we'll talk uh, in depth about Ukraine. And then in the 7 o'clock hour, I checked with him yesterday. He is set up and ready to go at 7 o'clock, and that is going to be Doc Washburn. He'll be he'll be in here in the studio with me tomorrow starting at 7.05. Look forward to seeing you there on Facebook or you're listening to me here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.